0: Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's Shavi. If you know me, I'm happy you're here. If you don't, I converted a moving truck into a tiny home amidst the pandemic, gave up my place and hit the road. Starting in Vancouver, I drove to Miami and realized that there was too much adventure not to share. So to fill you in on my journey, the Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees podcast. Why two degrees? Because I'm now a snowbird and escaping two degree weather. I built the truck wrong and the majority of the weight is on the passenger side so we're tilted at two degrees but also i'm going to catch up with industry professionals who i'm glad to call friends and bring you two degrees of separation away from them and what they do so welcome to the two degrees podcast brought to you by the play on foundation for neurological research and brain aneurysm detection and prevention To learn more about the Play On Foundation, check out www.letsplayon.org. But for now, enjoy the show. But first, a quick word. Do you like mangoes? (laughs) Of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes and Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. What's going on, how's it going everybody? Welcome to the Two Decrease Podcast brought to you by the Play On Foundation. It's your boy, Javi, and today's guest, I have to say has rocked the stages of one of the biggest sports organizations in the world. And a few years ago, because everybody I knew had a Raptors jersey. He was definitely the favorite DJ in the world because the Raptors, of course, won the championship. Everybody, it's Four Corners. How's it going? <laughs> what up? Man, you know what?
1: The how's it going, how you doing question, I feel like in the past has been the, the response that we all give us, yeah, I'm good, how are you doing? I feel like we need to, like, normalize actually saying how we're going because hey. some people are having a rough time out here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can personally yeah. say I'm doing all right. Um, I'm, I'm maintaining my positive attitude and doing my best to make the best of the situation. We're, you're not in Ontario right now, are you?
0: No, currently California. Right.
1: You would know exactly, you would know more of what I'm talking about if you experience what is going on in here, down up here. It is uh, not yeah, ideal, yeah. to say the least. So, well, like, hopefully. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I underwent this journey to build this camper. To, I, this is, I'm in a moving truck. I turned a moving truck into my home. Um, and me and my partner are living in it. And it's, it's partially due to the way you answered this question where I was not okay. <laughs> and I felt like I needed to escape and I needed to find a way out. And I felt like this was the answer because especially for me, I love traveling and mm-hmm. all the airports um, all of a sudden decide to close and then the borders decide to close. And so now traveling just became something that like I was craving and then this was my answer was to travel, you know, across to the States at least and explore the States. Explore more of Canada, which I got to do while it was still summertime as well. And then as soon as the snow came, I was like, all right, peace. I'm going (laughs) south. That's
1: really, really dope. I actually watched I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you were doing this.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like that was that's like the the big um I guess part about this podcast is like this is me reconnecting with everybody else cuz I'm trying to get as much off grid as possible but at the same time I realized that I just missed everybody and so people have been following me in regards to this adventure why not touch base with the world and just chat see how they're doing see what's going on
1: absolutely see how we're really doing and i i want to yeah. hear more it's about like, how you're doing this is uh, yeah. I, i've watched a bunch of videos my daughter actually put me onto some videos of people that have made like tiny homes out of different kinds of vehicles and i think it's amazing <laughs> and But I don't know anybody who's doing that. And now I find out that you're doing that. So I have so many questions.
0: Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Let's let's dive into that. But I still want to go back to that last question, though, where it's like, did you hit a wall? Because especially all of my DJ friends hit a wall. Um, But it seemed like you had the advantage of being part of the Raptors organization. So it's like you still had work. But I know that I not did, but I didn't you wanted to do. No, but yeah. see here's the thing. So well, I didn't exactly have work for
1: a long hmm. a large portion of this time because well first things first, the NBA shut down in March twenty twenty, when everything shut down, yeah. like when the world shut down and then uh it came back back that summer late summer with the nba bubble situation where all the teams played in one location in florida and i had the opportunity to go and be part of that it was just basically self contained very few people in and out lots of COVID testing a sterile ish environment for everybody to be there and be safe and actually continue games um i had the opportunity to go but it wasn't the right situation, let's just say. Like, it didn't make sense Mm -hmm. for me to go. Um, I really wanted to, but, like, too many factors were just not in line with what was going on in my life at the time, so I passed on it. They just had a few DJs from the NBA play all the games. So I did not have work there. And then the following season the Raptors being the only team on this side of the border and the height of COVID and everything going on crazy and the border being closed. Our team played the entire season in Tampa, Florida as their home base. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I had the opportunity to go, but it wasn't the right situation. Um, So I didn't, so I was out of work essentially with the Raptors for a whole season there. So now we're back and the team's playing in Toronto so I'm back to work but we have currently no fans in the arena based on the circumstance and like sorry to backtrack during the the NBA bubble I did have a little bit of work I'm lying I had a little bit of work because we we did some tailgate (laughs) parties here we set up like a giant festival stage and had people come and it was like a drive-in situation where people like literally drove their cars and chilled in their cars and watched the games on a big screen while we provided some entertainment and some fan interaction. No, that was, um, we built our own, actually. Well, we, I say we like I built it. The, <laughs> the um, OLG, the Ontario Lottery Corporation, along with Maple Leaf Sports, put together this stage. It was at Ontario Place in one of the big parking oh, lots. Nice. And it was permanently there for cool. just Raptors games, Leafs games, and some concerts. So similar to what the yeah. docs did.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So then, so all in where in all, did your head not go? awesome
1: I was, I was really down, man. Like, I was really, really down. And I think I hit my lowest point right after, because we did that drive-in situation for the 2020 playoffs. For, like, while the players were in the bubble, we couldn't be there. The fans couldn't take part. So we made this thing that Toronto fans could feel a part of it. But when we got knocked out of the playoffs, like, that was the only thing I had going on. And the playoffs are intense. So there's games, like every two days so and after not feeling energy of people in person for a while that was like a real high like it was a serious adrenaline rush to get in front of a large crowd and like have the stadium sound and like the you know it's big stage like camera action and when we got knocked out of the playoffs it went from that to nothing in like like a, from yesterday to today it was like no because there was nothing else going on It was around, you know, it was September. Starting to get chilly, definitely no more outdoor stuff happening in the city. And we were still on severe lockdown. So like, at that time, um, my girlfriend at the time looked at me one of those days and was like, yo, I think you're depressed, bro. Because like, you're not yourself. And and I never, I don't know what depression feels like. I don't think I do. I don't want to disrespect people that actually go through serious depression by being like, oh, yeah, I was depressed because like, I don't know, honestly, I just started therapy like last month. So I'm going to talk through that and see if that's what it was. If we can trace that, I don't even know at this point. But I know that some mornings I felt like, well, what's the point of even getting out of bed? And that's not who I am. Like, I'm, I like to think of myself as a fairly positive, like people always tell me like I inspire them to do stuff because of my energy. And I had none of that energy. Like, I was literally like, well, what's the point? Like, what am I really doing with what, what is life right now? Like, what am I really gonna do? I get out of bed and do what and go where and for what purpose? So, um, thankfully, I don't feel like that anymore. But, like, that was a tough time. And I think that a lot of people, I mean, most people have had a tough time at some point, if not through this whole thing. How was it for you? I mean, you I, got I the refuse. hell out.
0: I refuse to believe anybody who says that they're fine um during this time and has it's it's and who refuse to admit any type of being affected by this maybe because like for me i de- I definitely hit that wall too where i didn't want to get out of bed and it's happened a couple times and for me i think um i've, I've had The support system that kind of pushed me in a direction to handle it in a sense where it's like, if you want to stay in bed, you stay in bed. And to reaffirm the saying that it's okay not to be okay. So if you're feeling bummed out and you feel like you don't want to get out of bed, stay in bed, sleep it, because your body is telling you that you need that kind of rest for some reason. And maybe it's rest to help get through this lull that the universe is putting us through, or maybe it's literally that transformation process of you just need to, because things happen when you rest. That's like the most effective time your body can recharge, let alone grow. You don't grow when you're sure. awake, like physically, like your body grows in your sleep. <clears throat> so it's like when it comes to, to that feeling, it's, it's definitely something that i had to sit in and it's it's a terrible feeling but the thing that's helped me with that especially is is with the people around me where i have the friends that are like they'll they'll cue in when to be proactive and and pull me out physically of my place and like just take me for a walk and then that'll be the world to me that day but then they also know when to just let me rest so that's that was my (coughs) my thing too because like as you said it was it's it's a high to a low um and with the film industry we're always on waiting for an audition in a sense and Mm -hmm. the place where me and a lot of my friends are at right now we're we're at a place where we're, we're making moves and so we have this notion of we need to keep momentum so we're trying to keep up as opposed to just letting it come to us and things so it's like all of a sudden we're trying our best to keep this momentum and then the industry just shuts down and it's like okay we have this energy where do we put this creative energy And now (laughs) we're going, we're, we're going above and beyond. We're writing, we're, we're trying to talk to other actors to put together, you know, table reads just so we can do something. And then all of a sudden we, our body, our bodies mentally hit this place of like, we can't keep up. We're just, my, my mind is just going to stop now. And it did. And it's just like, I, I associate that with like, people say that they crack. Yeah, I cracked. I was just like, "This is Damn. nope, not for me." Yeah, yeah. it's so... it's tough, man, and
1: it's it's something that we. I mean, I don't know anybody short of like Bill Gates who really thought that this was going to happen in our lifetime. Like, he's the one that's been like, "I told you so," but like the rest of us, definitely all of us, you know, in our circles, we're just like, "Whoa, this came completely out of nowhere!" Like we. We've lived through, like you and I are old enough. Like we've lived through, like when SARS was a thing, and it was like everybody was scared of it, or like you heard of the Ebola, and like we're we're not, you know, we're not completely ignorant to the fact that like viruses occur and br- outbreaks occur. There's so many movies about out. There's literally a movie called Outbreak. <laughs> <You're Yeah. right?
0: laughs>
1: we're we're aware of these things, but like you never. I know I'm young at heart, but I don't know if I still, and I think in in some ways I still have that like youthful, magical thinking that like nothing bad will really happen.
0: You get me? Mm. I'm I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. I am completely contingency person. So I have so many backup plans in case stuff happens where I'm just like, I need to, I need to have a backup. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying
1: that I'm not prepared. Yeah. No, 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 it's not, I'm not saying that I'm not prepared. And I definitely add off on a high level, but I'm saying like the the thought of the world shutting down was like, no way to me. Mm. And when it happened, to I was that like, degree, this is not happening. And then-
0: To that degree, yeah, I it was like, this didn't is, think, yeah.
1: No, not like this, not like this. This yeah. is the stuff that we read about in history books and be like, oh man, that must've been rough. We're history now, like generations from yeah. now, they're going to read about this time. And we're going to be around to tell some of it. Like, when you speak to people (laughs) that were, like, when you speak to, like, Holocaust survivors or people that were around during the World Wars and, like, you know, I'm not not making comparisons. I'm just saying, like, these are major, major world events that, like, adversely affected people's lives that we read about in books that they lived through. We're we're people now. We're those people. And that's wild to me.
0: You just gave me a thought where it's like, I want to talk to those individuals now where it's like, because they went through such trials and tribulations where, and now they went through this, it's like, do you think they were mentally ready for something like this to happen where it's like, oh yeah, no, that's that could possibly happen. So that's interesting. You know what?
1: It could be that. It could be the other end of like, man, we've been through our stuff. There's no way something else this bad can ever happen in our lifetime. And then boom. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I do know. not know. <laughs> yeah. I do know, though, that I feel for the older generations that are like elderly at this point and having these, like every moment is precious, the higher. I mean, we all know what life is and it's, there's a time limit on it. So like when you get up into like yeah. the 80s and your 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s and years are stripped away from you got especially in that segment of the population where everybody's heightened about, oh, you're extremely vulnerable to this. You really got to take care and you really got to stay home and you really got to stay away from people at that stage in life where, you know what I mean, you're really trying to live. Yeah. I can own. I, yeah. I can't begin to imagine how that feels. Like we're all here sitting, like, oh man, we're wasting time. Like, imagine being on that, that end of things.
0: Yeah, like no, for sure, That's it's maddening, right. bro. Yeah. You said something earlier in regards to you. You've never been depressed, or you don't think you've been depressed. Um, I don't think so. And I do got to. I do got to say though that I'm definitely thrilled to hear that you're in therapy, but. With that, do you think it's like an immigrant thing? Because for me, I if I was down, like my parents, there were there was no consideration. It's like, oh, you feel <laughs> down? No, you gotta you gotta get up. You gotta do something. You you're not uh-huh. allowed to feel down. It's like you know how fortunate you are, and then you'll get the talk of like what they went through and kind of gaslight you and stuff like that. With yeah, your oh, big
1: time, big time. I've been yeah. considering therapy for a few years now just because um, it's like breaking that generational curse yeah. because generations prior to me, I, even, I had a conversation with my mom around a year ago this time. And I was speaking to her about the way she was getting angry about something and Starting to hint towards well, maybe you should, and she cut me off in my traction, like, I'm not going to therapy. Like, before I even could even like imply the thing. Yeah. And truth be told, that's kind of where I was going with it because I think we could all use somebody to talk to. Definitely mm-hmm. an a, 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 a objective person who's trained in how our minds work and how we interact with each other and where things come from. Mm -hmm. Like they're trained in that literally, plus they have no skin in the game. They're completely impartial. They're not a family member or a friend or, they have like nothing to gain from you going one way or another way. So they're just, their job is literally to just be like, let's explore your mind and figure out why things are the way they are, why you react to things the way that you do, blah, blah, blah. I think that's great. But it took me a while to get to this point where I felt okay with it because two reasons. Number one, it's just not part of our culture. It's like frowned upon by our culture, essentially, by many cultures. Like you said, you meant, you said, use the word immigrant, 100%. Like all of, most of us people of color from different parts of the world, it's looked at in the same way. as like, no, therapy, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? It's not looked at the same way that like medical medicine is where if something's physically ailing you, you definitely have to like, they'll be the quick one to tell you, go to the doctor. But therapy, no, 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 You don't need therapy. You just need to do this or you need to do that or you need to just shake it off or whatever it is that they say. Um, The second reason though is again, it's also cultural. It was a hard one for me to like open up and like tell somebody my business, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because we're also, we're also taught just as a survival mechanism to keep things close to the chest and like not really talk your business in the road per se, as, as they would say, because of you don't want to let people have this information because of what they might do to, with it. And it's just very paranoid thinking based on survival. And I get it. I completely get it. Yeah. And there were times and places where, no, you don't want to tell people things because that could come around. But I don't think that that's what this is. And when I really thought about it, I was like, well, it's not like I'm telling my therapist my business as in like something that has any bearing on anything that would benefit him or in any way. I'm literally telling him how I feel. And like what I've been through and like what's, what good is that information to anybody anyway? (laughs) You know what I mean? In like a hurtful way yeah it's not it's just That's for sure it's and it's for my benefit to be able to get this stuff out and, and speak to somebody who like i said is impartial who gets yeah. to know me through this relationship but like they don't know me know me Yeah. so therefore their opinions are not biased in any way mm-hmm. and there's no friends that we have that don't have a, a somewhat of a biased opinion i try to be like and i know you too like you're your type of person you try to you try to give your friends the best advice or what have you, but, like, based on your relationship, there's biases there. There just are.
0: The plot and it's twist not intentional. Is, your therapist mm. is a Lakers fan, and she just wants to <laughs> throw you so far off your phone <laughs> <that> you're playing <laughs> Oh my gosh. That would be Subliminally amazing. Subliminally breaking you down on the inside so when the <laughs> Raptors are playing you bring down the vibe of the entire stadium.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, if I felt no, like honestly, anything like that I would definitely find a new there. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I that's want dope to feel stuff, when I come dope. out of a session.
0: I, I, I'm so thrilled that that you you mentioned that, too, because it's, like, in regards to therapy, like, it's, it's ingrained in the media, too, where I talk about that with people where, especially in the 90s, whenever there was, like, a crazy character on scene, like, they'd refer to – they wouldn't even say therapist. They'd say shrink, right? Because, right. Because, like, that was the way you made fun of them. And then, like, it was such a taboo topic where – you know, as soon as somebody dropped the shrink word on the table, like the conversation quickly (coughs) moves to another thing. So that's, that's my definite um, push to, especially in today's world is to just try and normalize therapy, because a lot of people don't understand the value of being able to talk to somebody openly and not so much get advice, but vent, because yeah. I think that's the important part of of that is to get whatever is off your chest, off your chest, <laughs> brother. Especially so.
1: as men, because we're socialized to not yeah. do that, to not need that. Oh yeah. And of, oh, as yeah. men of color, because we're socialized mm. that that's like a very bad thing, and we're ridiculed for that. Yeah, and you're you're yeah. soft,
0: so soft things oh, no. <laughs> like that's that was like i wish i could pinpoint you know where that started but like there's books and stuff for that and i'm i'm just happy to have gotten there for sure just to, to that bit of understanding so that yeah. seeking therapy becomes normal um one more question with that because i know therapy is like a private thing for people sometimes but one more question with that is like how did you go about finding your therapist? Because I think that's also an important thing that people need to know and hear sometimes.
1: For sure. And it was definitely part of the the process of that was, like, I took great care in it. Mm -hmm. Um, First thing first, I just went online and started, like, Googling and trying to find what information I could. But I am fortunate enough, my daughter's mom quit her job in finance Years ago, and started studying to be a therapist, and she's now a therapist. And wow. because she is, I asked her if she has any recommendations for me. And I specifically wanted a male black therapist because I felt I just feel like there are some things that I don't want to have to explain. I want to get straight to it. And the closer I can find somebody who is like with a similar life experience as mine, I felt like that would be the best route to, you know what I mean? And I could be wrong, I don't know, but the the therapist I found is a black male that's in my age range and grew up in Toronto. Nice. We have so, and he's Trini, his background is Trini. So we have so many similarities in our upbringing, in our cultural, like everything, where we grew up, all of that, that like, there's a lot that just doesn't even need to be said. I don't need to go into detail about this and that or what this means or whatever. I can just get into the real. And I just felt like that was something that would be good for me. So I was able to speak to her and she recommended him. And that's how I was able to find my therapist. But That was just like my choice i don't know if that's the best or the worst or if it even matters but for anybody seeking a therapist i think that even like a friend of mine a close friend of mine he asked me if he wanted if i wanted to speak to his therapist or if he wanted i wanted to speak to his therapist to get a recommendation i i've come to see that that's kind of how it works like you know somebody who's in therapy or you know what therapist ask questions ask if they have any recommendations and they know you they can kind of guide you in the direction that makes it more comfortable a process because otherwise just going out and i mean same thing like with a with a medical doctor every medical doctor that i've ever had has been some sort of some level of referral i never looked in yeah. on the internet or in a you know my mom didn't look in the phone book and find a doctor and be like, okay, I going to be a pediatrician. It came recommended. And at every step of the way since then, it's been that. Right. So I feel like that's a similar path to therapy for in my experience. What no, sure. so do you, what do you, what do you think?
0: Um, yeah. It took me a couple of therapists to learn that I need to find the right therapist for me. Um, that's important because it's that relatability thing. Cause like I'm, I've sat in front of, you know, your middle-aged white woman and I'm hearing what she's saying and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And then I've also sat in front of, you know, your your senior um, white male and then like, there was that tone of, oh, well, you need to live like me. Not not directly like that, but like, I could get an yeah. air of that and I'm like, ah, this isn't what I'm looking for. And then I can't remember where i read it but then they're like yeah no interview your therapist before you you know book something with them sit down with them ask them questions see if there's that commonality and then oh it was um, charlemagne's book shook ones where he's like you know it's important for a person of color to get a therapist who's a person of color and it's Hmm. like yeah that makes sense and so it's just it's just for that purpose of you know them being able to understand and you not having to explain, because once you start having to explain things, you might miss the explanation. And then now this person on the outside still doesn't quite get what it is that you're talking about. So right. yeah, I know that's definitely
1: well, that's to... that's very interesting. I just that just made sense to me. I, didn't, I haven't read Charlemagne's book that just made sense yeah. to me and I know a few people that I've have gone through a few therapists. So I knew mm. that like finding a match was important. I didn't really think about it too deeply in terms of like, well, what were your, what ethnicity or what age range were those therapists that you, I just like, well, I know not everybody gets the therapist that works for them on the first try. You gotta try a few potentially because it's, they're still yeah. a person and you gotta have some sort of rapport that you feel comfortable and that they get you and you guys can get to yeah. the place where you need to be. I just figured, let me cut all of that shit out from the get go, and let me get somebody who's as much like me as possible. And it's like from yeah. the first conversation, I was like, "Yeah, right. you're
0: my guy." Nice. So I nice. think that yeah, um, it's important to have that. Violence. And it was
1: and it was less scary. It was less scary, honestly. Like yeah. it honestly, it, it like maybe I'm just extremely lucky that on the first try I found a therapist that like. I really like vibe with, but like it really feels like I'm talking to one of my brethren, but like on some real shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And I do have yeah, yeah. I do
1: have friends that I can speak to on some real shit. You're one of them. Like we're speaking real shit right now. But like yeah. it feels like I'm speaking to one of the homies that listens very well and has advice to give based on actual substance, not just what they think or what they've personally been through. Like this is, he's drawing from more than that, which is super helpful. Like I'm getting tips and pointers of how to deal with certain things or just perspective on how to look at things or even just holding up a mirror to myself based on the questions that he asked me, that I'm like, Mm. damn, I never thought of that. But that's exactly why I, that's exactly how I feel, or that's shit, yeah. you know what I mean, like a lot of that, yeah. it's really, it's it's helpful, man, it's helpful, and I don't consider myself yeah. somebody that's depressed, I don't suffer from anxiety, I don't have anything that people equate with, oh, you need to speak to somebody, I just, hmm. I'm a human being that understands or has grown to understand that, yo, we all need somebody to talk to, we do yeah and especially as a black male i have like all the things we were speaking of before i was like i've been i've lived with the pressure of suppressing my feelings for so long that i recognize that that can't be healthy there's got to be a better way to deal with things
0: with with that the the concept of suppressed feelings for so long i'm gonna say Stop downplaying your your issues and saying that other people have bigger issues because your issue may seem small now, but again, you've been suppressing so much. So this could just right. be the tip, right? So that's one thing that I want to pass on to you is, like, don't say that, oh, just because this person's on medication, they're serious. It's like, nah, man, like, you've no, just been I, able know, I, get, to- I get that. Yeah, yeah, I get that. No, I, 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 yeah. didn't mean,
1: I didn't mean to make it sound like that. I mean, like,
0: the general,
1: guys. Just, the general like, view of society is like someone who needs therapy yeah. is, is person A, person B, person C, and I don't identify as yeah. those people. But
0: yeah.
1: in that I'm not, I still do think that I definitely need to have therapy. Like, it's yeah. not just yeah. these particular types of people or these people going through these experiences that could benefit from therapy. I know I'm already benefiting from it and I'm so happy that I started and I'm just like four sessions in. You know what I mean? And like, I encourage and I, and I, I want to be very transparent about it because I want people in my circle and I want people to know that it's like- Yeah. You, can, you should.
0: And we'll be right back after this short message. But in the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on our Instagram at playon2013. And tell us what you think about the show. Do you like mangoes? (laughs) Of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled. But the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at peeledfruitbook on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit. Illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Now, back to the show. One thing a therapist broke down for me, where they were like, in regards to, oh, there's person A, person B, person C, whatever, where it's like, think of a therapist as a mechanic. The person who has the better running car services their car when there's nothing wrong with it. You don't want to wait till you're broken before you bring it to the shop. Yeah. Right. And that's what the therapist is for us is you want to, So it's like you don't even you shouldn't ever wait until, you know, you're at that point of depression, because once you're there, that's it's a slippery slope. So it's like when you're having your best days, when you're having the stadiums filled and you're on this high, that's when you should go to therapy and then right. figure out at that point how to come back down effectively instead of just hitting a wall and fall, feeling like you're falling off a cliff of that energy level. Right. So yeah, so, so it's not a matter saying. of
1: like, it's not a matter of, well, it's, it's something wrong. It's like, do you have a car? Yes or no. Like if you have a car, <laughs> your car should be serviced from time to time. Yeah. That's what comes with having a car. Are you a yeah. human being? Well, yeah, as a human, you're going to need to talk to somebody from time to time really deeply and like go through things because that's part of yeah. being a human. It's not good or bad, it just is. Yeah, I fuck with that. I like that a lot.
0: <laughs> so, like,
1: I like analogy. Really big on
0: analogy. Yeah. <laughs> aside from therapy, um, when all of like, let's see, let's go even further back, because I'm curious to know how you picked or how you you fell upon the opportunity to be a Raptors DJ, because I got. A ton of DJ friends, and they're doing a plethora of different things, but nobody is playing stadiums on a daily basis like you've been. So it's like, how did you get that opportunity?
1: You know what's hilarious? I just started, um, well, two things. Number one, that's a question that I get asked a lot, and I made a TikTok, I made a a YouTube video about that a few years ago that Mm -hmm. I know I need to update. But just literally yesterday, because I, I just started using TikTok a couple months ago. And it's going really well, by the way. I really enjoy it, that platform and how it moves and, like, the culture of it. <clears throat> I got yeah. asked that there also. Like, I get asked everywhere. And I literally just posted a video yesterday about this, explaining mm-hmm. it. But, like, it's going to be in part. So part one is on my TikTok right now. And I'm going to film part two nice. and, like, continue the story. Because um, it's, like... I think it's a fascinating story in that there are lessons that I learned during that process that have carried me through my life and my business. Um, To condense it, I got the opportunity to DJ at Roots Canada in the Eaton Center on weekends because they had a DJ booth and no DJ. One of my friends happened to see that and asked me and a couple other homies if we wanted to do it. And I was the only one that said yes. So I did that and I did that for years, like two, three years, at least maybe longer. And Roots at the time had their Yorkville store where they would, they had a, a liquor license and they would do like tiff events and other things because I had built with Roots over the few years, they had me DJ those events. DJing one of those events, the VP of marketing from Maple Leaf Sports was there and saw me and my partner at the time, and like, I really love what you're doing. Would you be interested in DJing at Raptors game? Because we just saw that the Miami Heat has a DJ, and it was really cool. Oh, wow. And we thought that would be really awesome here in Toronto, but we just were not in touch with the DJ scene, DJ culture, we don't know who.
0: So that was like another question I wanted to ask. Does that mean you were the first? There was nobody before you?
1: Correct. I was in my, to my knowledge, To my knowledge, I'm the second official team DJ for a professional sports team in the world. DJ Irie and Miami being the first. To my knowledge. If there are others, I'm I'm not aware of it. And if there were, they were definitely not on the scale that the NBA has done it because it's like you've been to games. I'm an integral part of the entire thing. And like Irie is that. And from there, it's spread across. Like a lot of the teams have DJs now. And now a lot of other sports teams have djs but it started with basketball which makes sense because basketball and hip-hop are married so that part yeah. began there but like yeah to my knowledge I'm, the, I'm definitely the first in canada and i think i'm the second in the world i've been doing this for 17 years bro
0: yeah that's crazy now with that how did you get your dj pack like where did you get all your sound effects did you have to go find them did they say hey these are some of the things that we want you to play. And then with that, when do you, do you decide when to play things or do you, do they have cues where it's like, all right, free throw, you need to do this. When it's possession on the other side, you need to do this. Like, where did that all come from? You'll understand
1: this very well because you're in film. It's, it's very script like Mm. as far as the run of show and how it works it's a production it's a presentation like it's not at all like a party Mm. or an event in any other realm that i do it's very specific every game i get like a run of show and there are cues that are mine and there are cues for other people and we all actually communicate through um in-ear monitors so Mm. behind the scenes of the game there's all this chatter is happening and we're all talking about what's going to happen on the next time out and what's going with that and who's going to be on the court and what mics are on and all that kind of stuff. is all going on. And my role in that is there are some scripted parts where I'm playing a specific song that goes along with a promotion or a contest or whatever. And then there's a lot, a lot of freedom that I can play whatever I want. They trust me. They just, they, they hired me. They headhunted me because of, the way I was playing at that party, I was mixing all genres together in a way that was seamless. And that was the thing that tipped her mm-hmm. off that she was like, well, in the arena, it's not a party where there's a certain type of people. It's literally all walks of life are in there. And we, if we're gonna do this thing that we saw, it's gotta be somebody who understands that and can cater to that. Mm-hmm. And she saw that in the way that I was playing my DJ set. And I'm simplifying it by saying, well, she saw me and I got the job. I had to yeah. really, really, harass her ass to make sure that that, you know, it was a wine, it was a wine tasting event that I was leading mm. at. Everybody's drinking. She passed, she we had a quick conversation and passed me her card. I didn't know if she was gonna forget. I don't know if she was just something she said while she was tipsy. Like I didn't know, but I was not gonna let that be the end of that conversation. So I really, really called, emailed, emailed, called, made it happen, did an mm. audition in the arena when I finally got them to the point to really consider it. Me and my partner had to do an audition in the arena, empty, with a camera, with like four people standing there looking at us. Be are like, all right, act like the arena's full. For 10 minutes, do what you would do, go. And we just I had, had to, to like wing it, like act as if, and rock yeah. the stadium, which was hollow as hell, so much, like never played in a room that big. So like the echo is crazy and like, it was just daunting but exciting and they liked what they saw because they gave us a shot. And then the next season we revisited and they're like, okay, we like it. We want to keep going And then the next season. And it just got to the point where it was just like, well, it's been given. You're part of the thing. And then I I split with my partner like about five years into that um, and continued on until now and as far as like where the sounds and all that kind of stuff, like we built it, there was nothing before. You know what I mean? So like, we built oh, wow. the way basketball sounds in this city from that time on.
0: That phrase is just mind blowing to me where I, cause again, with my background in, in entertainment just knowing what it takes to put a production together. So to say that you built the sound of basketball is just, that's, that's um, that should be on the mantle right there. That's the tagline, yeah. No, but it is though, between that's me cool. and a few other
1: individuals that i worked closely with, especially during those early years, we built out how this would work because before that they would play music and they would play some sound effects but like it wasn't cohesive it wasn't thought out from the mind of a dj it was just thought out from like oh there should be music playing at this time but it was like way less lively because it's you need somebody who knows music and knows music psychology to be able to make people feel and that's Mm -hmm. what they trusted me with and they just we tried a bunch of shit, to be honest. Like, we just tried shit. Like, yeah. thank- thankful yeah. for the people that I was working with from day one. One of which, one of the guys that was, like, one of my main points of contact in there at that time is now the head of entertainment for the whole company. So, like, he runs with the entertainment oh, wow. for Raptors, for Leafs, for TFC, for Argos, for everything. He oversees it all. Partially because of, like, he's been there as long as I have. And we built how the entertainment, like everything else is modeled after what we've done at Raptors because it worked. We brought, yeah. we brought a different energy than was being provided prior and it worked. It translated to fans. People get excited. You don't have to mm-hmm. give a shit about basketball to have a great time at, at a Raptors game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's no, the that's model true. that we built and, and he's taken to the other uh, franchises to elevate their game experience. So I'm really, honestly, I'm very, very proud of what we've done because it's, wow. it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot, and it's affected yeah.
0: a lot. I bet. That's really cool. Now, before the opportunity came, where was your head at as, as a DJ? Because there's various, I guess, end goals that DJs have. Where it's like, oh, they want to be a DJ for a popular MC. They want to go to Tomorrowland. They want to, you know, be a resident DJ at some club in Vegas. Where was your head at? Where did you want to go? My
1: head, when I first started out, was super simple. I wanted to travel the world. That was it. Like, I, I saw DJs that I knew in the city killing it but killing it very locally. I saw some, a select few of DJs doing a lot of back and forth across Canada. And I thought that was cool, but I know the world's a big place. And I saw Hmm. some DJs, you know, me online, I didn't know any personally, but I saw some DJs online touring globally and very early on i was like that's what i want to do at first it was just i just want to get in front of people and play music once i got into it and actually started building some steam i was like that's what i want to do like once i actually had to think of a dj name and all that kind of stuff like at that point that's probably my big four corners because i'm the four corners of the world that was like vision board type manifestation shit. i was like yo if i name myself four corners I will reach the fourth corner like I'll be saying it every day Mm. it'll be on my shirt it'll be on my hat it'll be on everything and that's why I did it so yeah the goal was nothing specific like I want to play at this specific club or this festival or this city it was I want music to take me everywhere let's see how far this can go
0: nice no that's beautiful so is the k in four corners because of your first name or is that just because you thought oh i'll be different and i'll put a k instead of nah. A c
1: nah, it's because because my name's kirk i was like Fuck it it's my shit." yeah <laughs> and four corners was a crew at the time too like i roped in like my homie from high school my cousin and my other boy and we were like do you remember the baby blue sound crew yeah that was what i thought was the coolest shit in the world and I make, yeah. kid, I make Kid Cut like very shy and like he blushes when I talk about this, but like swear on God, when I first started, they were my ideal of what DJing was because they had like the look, mm. they looked like an r and group. They didn't look like a DJ. They yeah. looked like an r and group. They had like clothing yeah. sponsorships. They're, everything about them just seemed super polished and worldly to me and even though they didn't travel that much they traveled a bit but they didn't travel that much but they were just like the coolest shit ever to me so i thought well if i'm gonna be a dj i got to have a crew so i roped in some of my friends who super did not last because when you had to spend money they were not down they didn't know how expensive records were um but it was like that was everything to me like that was literally everything to me and from there we just went and like whoever didn't want to continue riding, they didn't ride, they were still friends, but like they were not part of it. And I just kept it pushing, but like, that was the motivation. It was like, yo, I want to like, I need to be on that level. I need to look and feel like that. Like when they walked into the party, it felt like something like, oh shit, they're here. You know what I mean? So that's where that came from. And I remember when I told them, yo, we should call ourselves Four Corners with the okay, They were like, I see what you're doing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I know I know where that K comes from. I was like, hey man, I'm the one who called you Come here. so like I get to name the group.
0: <laughs> I just had the, the thought in my head where it's like uh the temptations um biopic, where it's like nobody comes to see me. <laughs> 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 the five hard breeze.
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm the one selling all the records. <laughs> It was. Oh, it was man. pretty much. That. Um, it was pretty much that. I was like, I'm the one buying all the records.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so records, records was a big deal too. And, and I know for a fact you can talk about records for days. But oh, yeah. I also know that like there's there's a significance when it comes to records. So I think I can see some records behind you. What makes those records yes, you get on that shelf? You know what? I feel I, like that's my, the important my real, show.
1: Yes. Well, my real, my full record collection is at my folk house. And I live in a condo in downtown Toronto. There is not enough room in here for all those records. It's like, there's not enough room for them in the basement where they are right now. I made them look yeah. as neat as possible to, like, not piss my mom off. But, like, I <laughs> I just couldn't. So what I, what, what I have with me are, like, some of my favorites. And it's more things that i like to listen to versus what i like to dj because to spin records and like spin a dj set on vinyl you need a lot of records um this is just stuff that i like like i have sade in here i have like prince in here michael jackson um the xx um like Mm. various things that i like of all genres that i'll just put on amy Winehouse. i'll just get up and put on Amy Winehouse's album, Back in Black, and I'll just make some tea and chill. and You know what I mean? But as a music lover, as a music connoisseur, as a DJ, of course, and as somebody who grew up with vinyl being the primary source of music in the house, vinyl just feels and sounds different to me than any other way to, to play music. Like, I have... I'm not gonna say your name cause she'll turn on, but like I have the Amazon thing, but you say your name is to play this and do that. And I use her a lot, but it's not the same as putting on a piece of vinyl and just like hearing the crackles. And like, it reminds me of what music is and what it was and like how I was first introduced to music.
0: Yeah. Taking, taking the vinyl out rub it down setting it on putting yeah no every part of it every part of things that take yeah that take uh there's a procedure to do things i like doing those things where it's like i'll take my time yeah and And there's care there's care involved you can't just
1: treat it anyhow you gotta like you know i've recently got into i don't know if you can see i have some plants back here some very small ones but like i've recently got into taking care of plants and stuff, because I feel like it's a similar thing, like the process to it. And there's Mm. care involved and like, and then you see the fruits of your labor as they grow. I feel like that's like, taking it like you, you said it perfectly. When you take the record out the sleeve, you hear it, you feel it. When you put it down, you clean it off. It's like, it's a real thing. It's tactile, especially in this digital age, like, we, we, there's so much more, um, meaning in something that you can actually feel considering most things seem so disposable at this point.
0: Yeah. Now you said amongst that collection behind you, you have your Sade, how big of a fan are you in regards? Cause like one thing I love doing with my partner is every now and then I'll pronounce her name Sade. Just uh <laughs> Sadie, I hear
1: her growing
0: in the background. Hey Sadie. That's so funny. Oh man. Now you you said something interesting in regards to us being a digital age, and I know this is a really popular conversation amongst DJs, old school and new school, where I'm curious to know your opinion on the evolution of vinyl to everything being on mp3s and on your computer where does your mind sit at when you meet a dj a new school dj who's like never played vinyl um you know what's interesting about that
1: i feel like i came up right on the cusp between both worlds so like I was there buying vinyl. I was there at Play Record on Young Street on Thursdays waiting for the new vinyl shipment and hoping I could get the new record that I heard was coming out or like hearing that thing that I didn't even know existed and running to the back hoping I could get a copy. Like I was there for all that. I was there mm-hmm. for if you didn't have the song, you couldn't play it. Like I was there. But also early enough in my DJ career, things went digital to the point where now we have access to everything. And I'm grateful for having experienced both. Um, there's two sides to that coin. There are new DJs that never experienced the early part. And I feel like they missed out on something because <clears throat> there's there's some things that they're never going to be able to feel. Like, and when I say that, imagine there's a song that you, come across that is, you love, you think it's an incredible record, but you don't have it. And you hear other DJs playing it, you hear it on the radio, you don't have a copy. Mm. And you search record stores across the city, or you travel to other places and try to pop into record stores, and you finally find that record. Number one, that feeling alone, they will never understand, because you type it in there now. But also that feeling of like having that record and the first time you actually play it at a party, they will never understand that. They will never understand that feeling. Or even just the feeling of like getting that new hot record that not every DJ has and you have it and you play it and all the other DJs are like, oh shit, you have that? And the whole crowd is like, oh shit, it's playing. It's actually playing. Like that doesn't exist anymore in the world period because that just,
0: that just gave you see the smile i yeah, yeah I, I get that
1: that does not mm. exist anymore but on the flip there are a lot of djs that are stuck in the past and unwilling to adapt and that is just career suicide like that's you're you're limiting yourself so much that you're going to make yourself extinct if you don't move forward with things the way that they're going because like again if you're living in that mentality and you're own, i i can only play the records that i have the way music is now and how fast it comes and how djs are all making their own edits and so you can djs are producers like myself where i have my own songs or like remixes that are not official and like just the the, the creativity that you can do with digital it's just simply not possible on analog <clears throat> And they're missing out if they're not taking part of that as well. But they can. That's the difference. They can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The
1: newer, the newer DJs, they're never going to experience that. Even just honestly, you don't have to be a DJ. Just remember the feeling of buying a CD and like getting that last coffee or like the new one that came out or you rushed. You knew what day was coming out and you went and you got it and you, and you listened to it all day and. Yeah. Your friends were, were jealous that you had it. So you had to go over to the house when you go, you know what I mean? When you go over, you bring CDs. Like, <laughs> that is all gone. That's gone. Mm. And I know it yeah. sounds archaic at this point, but the feelings that were part of that, and it's not even that long ago. That's a thing. Like we're talking like mm. 10 years ago, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the feeling involved in that will never exist again. And I'm sad for people who never got a chance to feel that because those are joys that, like, to this day, I will never forget. Like, I remember recording, I remember calling the community radio station in my neighborhood. I, I lived near New York University. I grew up in Jane and Shepard. And I remember calling the radio station over and over using different voices to try them to, to get them to play crisscross jumps and I was sitting there with my tape deck with my two fingers ready to record it. And I'm like a kid, like, you know what I mean? I don't have, I'm not buying money to buy anything or whatever, I'm just like, I need the song, I need the song, and like, they finally played it, I recorded it on a cassette, and I was so happy for the whole week, you know what I mean? Yeah. That doesn't exist, that does not exist. Do you hear, oh, yo, do you hear about that new song? Oh, hold on, boom, 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 this one?
0: Yeah. I remember those days where like making mixtapes just off of radio edit recordings was, was, right. that was my jam. I'd sit in front of the radio for, that was my thing after school is I just sit in front of the radio and just listen. And then if a song came on that I liked hit record. Boom. Oh, man,
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Those, those types of feelings for music lovers. It's unfortunate hmm. that they're not going to be able to feel those. I mean, there's other things, but it's not that. It's not that. The scarcity yeah. of it, the like you had to be there aspect or like you had to have it aspect is really not the same with digital because, and we sound like yeah. mad old right now and I don't even care. I'm happy I'm old because I was yeah. there for this. It's not the same. Like, like I said, somebody mentioned something. Oh, did you hear the new Weekend album? Oh, I never heard it, but I have it though. You're, I didn't even know he had an yeah. album, yeah. but I have it though.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: it's Not the same
0: last thing because like time's getting away from us and there's Uh, so many more things that i want to ask (laughs) but you mentioned it so let's let's segue into that as as the last one but you talked about producing me personally um seeing it happen i feel like that's the natural evolution of a dj but then a lot of djs don't do that and then they 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 i don't know maybe they refuse to do it because they think that they don't have to but then how did you fall into producing and because like that's that's one thing that like a lot of my dj friends seem to not hit as well where it's like they're just happy with with playing the parties and stuff it's like yo make music produce music what how did that happen for you for sure you know what
1: the thing with djing is there's so it's such a vast career path, that there's so many different ways you can approach it and enjoy it. And to those who are enjoying what they're doing and they don't feel the need to do anything else, so be it. Like the the goal is to be happy in life, in my opinion. The goal is to be happy. If you're happy with what you're doing or you're happy with what you have, enjoy it, do it more, awesome. But for me, it was a natural progression. I grew up playing instruments, I was in band, I played piano as a kid and was in competitions and stuff. So like playing music was always part of my life. Hmm. Then DJing entered and it was manipulating music that already exists. It wasn't actually playing music, but like it was, you know, it's still my hands in the music. Yeah. But for me, I think that the natural progression happened for two reasons, number one, it's a great feeling to throw on a record and see people react and go crazy or whatever. But when I started making like my own remixes of things and whatnot and seeing people react, that just whet my appetite for more. I was like, yo, what if I made the whole song and, and they reacted like that? Like that's the highest of highs. Like something that I conceived yeah. in my brain, I made it with my hands and watching people enjoy it, It's not the same thing as playing some yeah. song that somebody else made. Like it's, it's levels to the shit. But for me, When I was a resident at the government nightclub, RIP the government, greatest club ever, Uh, in my opinion, mm. Um, I got to experience, I played in a small room where I played open format, I played whatever I wanted. But in the main room on Saturday nights, they had international house DJs every week. And I came to understand that, yo, these DJs, they're the producers of the songs. Like, they're the artists. Like, they're here playing their own songs to 2,000 people. And then I got deeper into that, to like dance music culture. And I understood, or I came to understand, yeah, that's how it works there. Like in hip hop and in r and B, and soca and reggae, there's DJs and there's artists. In dance music, the DJ is the artist. Yeah. And it just made sense to me. Like, oh, why don't I do that? <laughs> because like, I love what I'm doing. If I'm making music, that'll give me the ability to do what I do on a bigger scale for more people. No brainer yeah. at that yeah. point. So I got yeah. into it. I started working at it, made a bunch of shitty songs, got some, you know, got some good feedback, some bad feedback. I made a couple of records that like actually, you know, hit that DJs were yeah. playing all over the world. And that gave me the motivation to keep going and get better. And like it's only in the last year and a half, two years that I feel like I've hit my stride that my music, when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, shit, that's, it's world class now. Like, if you didn't, nice. I'm, I'm I'm running into circumstances where I'm playing a song for somebody to show them, and they're like, oh, cool, who's that by? And I'm like, by me. And they're like, oh, shit, I thought that was Calvin yeah. Harris. You know what I mean? or, oh, shit, I thought that was DJ Snake. Not that it sounds like that, but, like, it's on the level of that. Like, they're like, or I play a yeah, song yeah. for somebody I'm like, yo, this should be on the radio. Like, why is this not on the radio all day, every day? Like, so yeah. I know that I'm I'm there now so now no, from here me. I'm just working at it to to get more music out there and get it into people's ears but it's I'm enjoying it so much that I can't imagine not doing yeah. it like as soon as we're finished talking I'm going back to work on some more music
0: dope dope that's beautiful man that's awesome ah Kirk Oh, so fun, so fun. Thanks for for coming on and for lending me your time. And and again, next time, like if you're dropping new things and you want to plug it, hit me up. We'll get you on and, and we'll talk about whatever whatever else you're working on next. But thank you so much for coming out and giving me your time for this. Dude, man. Thank
1: you for having me. And next time, I need to ask you more questions about the the, the living situation, dude. This is like
0: so <laughs> yeah, fascinating man. to
1: me. It's so fascinating to me, and I'm so happy you're doing it. I I, I just want to hear those stories.
0: Yeah, 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 like so. Make that be your your goal is get another song ready that you need to push. Get <laughs> you back on the show.
1: Consider it. You can. Control,
0: you control that that uh that interview. Consider <laughs> it. Like, as much as I I love to tell everybody um what I'm doing, like I just it I. I'm thankful. I'm just asking the right questions that leads up to an hour, and then it's like, <laughs> all right, cool. No, <laughs> <Peace." laughs> oh, man, this is. I mean, that was great talking to you. It was a great
1: conversation, and, and great to reconnect. We haven't spoken like properly in so long. I don't remember the last time. Yeah, was the last time I saw you in person at Ron's wedding, or was this, was it after that?
0: Yeah. That was the last. No, um, when I brought my mom to the Raptors yes, game. Yes, that's right. For New Year's one. That's time. right. Yeah, that's right. That was that was the last. Okay, time. well, that was a quick one. That was so. like,
1: hey, what's up? Okay, we're going back to our seats type thing.
0: But yeah, yeah man, yeah.
1: great to reconnect, dude. Great conversation. Great questions. Likewise. You're like, not <laughs> even a professional interviewer, but you're better than a lot of professional interviewers. So, pat on the back for that.
0: The, I I started off interviewing and stuff like I did I did um, these little vlogs back in the day for other companies and I was like their interviewer and I learned that there's the art to interviewing is to genuinely be interested <laughs> so it's like facts. To understand who it is you're talking to because if I'm interested in talking to you I want the answers I'm going to try my best to get the answers and ask the right questions, where being in the industry that I am, I've had these interviewers where it's like, they, they have a, they have a rap sheet and they'll just pick off mm-hmm. of that. And it's like, do you, do you even want to ask that question? Like, <laughs> <General. You> know, <laughs> <I mean. laughs> yeah, so that's, that's where I learned. And it's like, I've Bro, I, had,
1: I had some too. Yeah. I was like, yo, do you even know who I am?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah, I'll get back. They, thank you so like, much. It's been fun. <laughs> oh man. But everybody, thank y'all for tuning in. Two Degrees Podcast brought to you by the Play On Foundation. Four Corners, check him out, everything that he's doing. And he's got new music currently. It's not gonna be new by the time this gets out, but right now with Connor Price Marathon, check that out. It's a banger. But other than that, Kirk, thanks for coming out, man. Thank you, brother.
1: Take care.
0: Thank you all for tuning in. Artwork by Monique Lizardo. Music by Cade Cole. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, share, tag us, whatever all the fun things people do when they like something. But most importantly, check out www.letsplayon.org for the Play On Foundation and lend your voice in bringing awareness to the neurological research for brain aneurysm detection and prevention. My name's Javi. See you next time on the Two Degrees Podcast.